You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Ryan McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, David Hall. Here I am. All right, Bonnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Welcome, Justin Pearson. What's up, guys? And Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, how's it going? On today's show, we'll look back at the throwback Coke Series race at Darlington Raceway. iRacing releases a new series with a twist, and we will check out a video with wheel rims like we promise you've never seen before. That's right, and you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacesLounge.com and selecting show notes. So log on, and we'll see you there. All right, let's kick off some topics. We're going to open with, I guess, actually some an update from the Coke series, Darlings and Mike. Yeah, and I think the neatest part of the Coke race this, uh, this week was the throwback paints. And um, I, th- I, I want to say the Coke series did it better than actual NASCAR with their throwbacks. Um, quite disappointed with some of the NASCAR throwbacks I saw. But uh, these Coke uh, ones, there's a few highlighted in this uh, Instagram post. I'm really loving the uh, Exide 99 Jeff Burton uh, paint job there. Uh, really brings me back to the day. Yeah, there's a lot of cool ones that tied into the um, sponsors, like uh, Tony Kanan's had had a couple of cars uh, since he's a he's a sponsor of the series. You know, he's had a couple uh, a couple of cars with his uh, 7-Eleven IndyCar paint scheme on it. it was pretty cool. Um, I liked uh, Michael Conti actually had a throwback to his um, days when he first started in the Coke series, which was really cool. You know, uh, it might be taboo to to do a throwback on yourself, but but um, you know, being this is his last season, you know. It was. It, it kind of tied his career together in that way. I thought that was pretty neat. Yep. And uh, as far as the race goes, um, you know, I kind of was listening to it at the beginning, and then I watched the end of it, so I didn't really get all of it. But it was Casey Kerwin uh, getting his second win of the season, the returning champ, getting it done after having a little bit of damage in an earlier incident. So uh, one of those getting a wreck and win deals. Yeah, it was a pretty good race. Um, they had an early caution, which was uh, which was interesting because I I, ha- I have a think I kind of think the stewards threw a caution on that first re- first wreck was in the first ten laps because um, from what I've seen in um, in my league race and from what I've seen in um, some of the posts. Darlington's flags are not coming out very very easily when the computer does it. You got to really really have a big wreck in order for a flag, the yellow flag, to come out. I've seen a lot worse incidents in league races and in um, some of the um, official races that didn't draw a flag, and this was far less. And they pulled one out, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, also every flag at Darlington, or I mean, almost every wreck, it's very self cleaning. So they go, they almost wash down off of the main surface real quick. Yeah. 
Or I, there's I stuff think in the kind wall. of the stewards might have done that. Sorry, good. No, I or they're stuck in the wall. I was just going to add to that, like in one and two. Yeah, I can tell well, you a little bit some some things highlights to this race, Mike. Since I, I just watched it a little while ago. Um, uh, first of all, after that initial wreck, um, they um, they they went green for a long time. They went through a, a round of. Uh, green flag um, pit stops. Um, some of the guys stretched it out really far, um, notably uh, Malik Ray and um, Ryan Luza. They stretched it out to 78 laps of uh, before they got fuel. So they really stretched it a long time. Um, and then uh, when they got back to racing, it was like 15 laps after that, that they had a caution, which was uh, that caution came with 25 laps to go. And um, everybody, of course, everybody got tires except for four drivers, two, one of them being uh, Malik Ray, who um, who was on the newer tires because he stayed out so long. Now, when I say newer tires, we're talking 15 laps at Darlington. That's a lot of laps on old tires. So he stayed out. And uh, when the restart came back, um, you know, the same guys who were leading earlier in the race, uh, Casey Kerwin and Nick Ottinger, those guys kind of uh, made their way through the cars that didn't take tires. Um and then what kind of really what happened was Malik Ray, uh, Malik Ray kind of held up Nick Ottinger after after um, Casey Kerwin got by him. So Kerwin gets by him after uh, after a few laps, and and Ottinger kind of took a little longer to get by him. And by that time, Casey had opened up a pretty good gap on Ottinger. Um, Ottinger uh, started to reel him in, got a little closer, but just kind of ran out of time. So um, that's how Casey managed to hang on to that uh, win. Um, Malik Ray, by using that strategy, by not getting tires, he actually made up a lot of positions because he was like in 30th place when he um, when he uh, when he came in for tires because he was he was off pace a little bit. But that call to stay out on four tires actually did bump him up quite a few points. So that's kind of how it shook out. It was it was actually a decent race, um, and it's always it's always nice to see how good these drivers are on a track that's so tough, uh, especially when you're when you're running tires that old. And Casey Kerwin doesn't make mistakes, okay? I mean, he, he's going to make the least mistakes of anybody out there, and so to give him a, a second and a half gap, you're I mean, you're not going to make that up uh, in a short amount of time. But Nick tried, but like you said, it just was not it wasn't enough. All right, next up, I uh, I can take this one myself because I did get a chance to listen to the downshift episode this week. Or it may have been out last week. I don't remember when I heard it. But you heard them kind of come up with this series on the fly, or maybe they already had the idea going, but I know they kind of came up with the, the name. They're releasing a new type of series where you're going to run the same track every week, but the car is going to change. And they're calling it Ringmeister because it's the big old, big old Nordisch Life track, which is really popular. Um and that's what it's going to do. It's going to be a single-class race rotating through all the different types of cars that can run out there. Yeah, it looks wow. fun. I'm going to try my best. I own six of the cars. I don't own the track yet, so I want to try to do at least eight weeks, but um, just pick two of the cars I don't own and, and purchase it. But I was on the store right now looking at what uh, Nürburgring to buy, and there's three options, so people got to be aware of which one they purchase if they don't have it yet. The car list, I mean, I have some of the cars. I would say roughly half. And so I'll run the ones I have if if it, uh, schedule allows. I have a lot seems of fun like, with track. Yeah, seems like a nice concept. Uh, what other concepts similar to this can you guys see them coming up with? 
Only thing I can think of is they did some kind of time trial on Mount Washington just because it's so unique and different than, you know, normal tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, swap up the cars maybe every week with that, maybe? It could be. But what about fun series like uh, Figure 8 at Irwindale, but you rotate the car every week, you know, or something like that? Well, that's what they do during week 13. They change the car every day. Right. Remember that series? I'm I'm sure we're not the first person who's who's brought this up, but I know we've talked about this in previous episodes about having um, a, a state same track and just different cars each week. It might have been have it might have been with the Nurburgring. I'm not sure, but I know we talked about this before the possibility. Maybe maybe we saw that in the forums or something that kicked off a conversation of about that. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool because we had talked about something like this would be cool. So. Uh, I think uh, I think they're they're on the right track for mixing things up a little bit, especially with a track this unique. Okay, so it's four lap race and it's unattached qualifying. Now four laps sounds like a, not a lot, but that's a lot. I mean, because these are long laps. And it does say at the end of their their article on their website, and he said they uh, quote as part of the pilot program for new concept, the Rickmotech Ring Meister Series participants will need to be aware of a handful of early considerations. One of them will be the last scheduled race on Monday before the start of the new week. Uh, the race will not be run. So you don't look forward to that race. They're actually going to take that time to switch the car over for the next week. So if you're running late and you want to squeeze in that last race of the, the week, it's not going to happen. They're not going to, they're not going to field the race. So I guess that means it's going to take a little bit more manual effort to make the rotation each time. Sounds like it. It doesn't say anywhere what license class you need. Does it? Mm, I didn't see that. No. Mm, that's a good question. They might make it a D class, I, I would imagine. But uh, get some laps in. Know, learn the track on a on a, a very slow car like the Formula V or the Mazda or something like that, and then work your way up to the fast car. That's that's my advice. Would the GR86 be a good one to start with then? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Production car. Yeah. Yeah. Especially it's. It's one of the ones that you run, so that's why I asked that. Yeah, especially if, since it's uh, it's a f- not open wheel, you know, so you get used to cars with fenders on that track. All right, Mike, looks like we've got some listener feedback kind of related to MSG, yeah? Well, not really that, but uh, F1 Arcade. Uh, we talked about that before, and uh, we got an email from a listener uh, to set us straight, Stephen Hobbs. Uh, basically, it said the F1 Arcade is using R-Factor, not the Codemasters F1 2022 game. I think we had said it was, they were using Codemasters, but indeed, it is not that. It is uh, a something a little bit better, but it is an iRacing. Well, R-Factor 2 is MSG, so don't go there. Do they have an F1 license? They don't. Well... Uh- and it's an F1 licensed arcade, so why would they not use their game? Why would they use R Factor? Well, our listener wrote in here, as you mentioned, they're opening in Boston and another in England that I know about. If MSG failed, that would have serious implications for F1 Arcade and Liberty Media backing the project. I don't believe they would allow the R Factor 2 to fail. The rest of MSG, they wouldn't care for. Well, if R-Factor fails, or not R-Factor, but MSG fails, it's not going to be, they just go poof. They're going to get bought. Up and sold to the highest bidder kind of thing. Because it is a public company, right? 
they'll have to pay whatever they whatever assets they have they have to liquidate so they can pay off creditors and shareholders right well we'll see we probably have a, a story that we'll cover later that doesn't uh doesn't encourage us as far as getting indy back for next year i haven't been down the script yet but if we don't cover it i'll bring it up the next thing we do do though have Mac, uh, mckenzie is a laguna seca update yeah jordan taylor put a, a tweet out he says yet another great track has lost its character sad so it looks like they uh paved the shoulder of the track here and so it it does look totally different it doesn't have the the old character like it used to gt4 and the mission planet running this uh this track this weekend specifically the the right picture that's a a it can be a fast corner and if you don't hit it right you're going to dump the right wheels into the dirt which is now asphalt and um a lot of that's what he's alluding to it's it's losing its um it's basically allowing drivers to to run off the track and not be penalized for it um the way it is now you dump a tire there uh and kind of the the picture on the left as well then you're gonna you're gonna get a penalty from physics it's gonna disrupt your car maybe spin you out so giving some guys some runoff room you know kind of makes it a little easier i guess but um Philippe Albuquerque, Albuquerque, yeah, that, that's just how you say it. He's one of those driver, IMSA driver guys. He he basically uh, said in a tweet as well that he thinks that new asphalt has more grip than the old one, and uh, is you know he's he's alluding to the fact of now they're going to go over there on purpose uh, because there's more grip there and it's going to be a faster speed. I think track limits are you got to just stay keep your left sides within the track. So yeah, they're going to use it as they, if they can. So for our audio listeners, the two corners in question at Laguna Seca are the one right after the left, after the corkscrew, um, to the right, they paved it. Um, and then the, uh, uphill right before you get to the corkscrew, the right before the fast left before the corkscrew. Now, will I racing need to rescan this? Or can yes. they fudge it with uh, this artwork? No, this is a new surface. They'll, they'll rescan it like they did with, with the Glen when all that payment was added. Yeah. Do you know for uh, friction models, do they get out sleds and drag sleds across the asphalt to get the coefficient of coefficient of friction? I don't think so. I've never heard of that. I think they just are able to calculate it based on the, the laser scan. And, the, and then they'll adjust it if the lap times are not lining up. All right, next up, Brian, a uh, little trip through Detroit. Yeah, this was a tweet posted um, from iRacing and um, iRacing official. And it really is just a... Um, a, uh, like a trip through, uh, the, you, you follow the car from the nose view, so you don't see what car it is as they're um, going through this Detroit street track. Um, pretty pretty interesting video. Uh, you know, we know we have the Detroit street races coming up in a few weeks, so um, I guess it's just a teaser. Um, yeah, I know I know iRacing has uh, held like official. Um, some of the uh, pro drivers were actually do, did a race on this one time, so it's not completely new, but. Um, but yeah, it's just a kind of a teaser what's coming up pretty soon, I think. Maybe trying to get some interest in people buying the track. Well, I think it's something else. Um, I think it's a new car they're teasing at Detroit. Okay. Um, based on the sound of it. The sound of it is your clue. 
And I think when we first dumped this in the chat almost a week ago, uh, somebody said Cadillac right off the bat, Cadillac, Cadillac. Yeah, and in the forums, they put up a poll, and it's 93 to 1. Everybody's voting for the Cadillac. They think it's the Cadillac. 226 votes for it. Yeah, and if you read the replies on that Twitter post, most of the people are saying Cadillac also. GTP, um, not the GT3, right? So a clue? Uh, it, it might. It's, it's probably the Cadillac. I thought it might be the LMP3 as well because that had a really deep sound. Um, but they're probably more excited to promote the Cadillac than they are the LMP3. It's the LMP3 is almost kind of a funny promotion because it's leaving the IMSA series and going down into the, just down into, basically the Michelin series, or some one of the other lower divisions. In the thread, Sam Winton posted up a video, a real video of the Cadillac uh, GTP. Uh, so you could compare the sound of it, and he says, yeah, it's the same. So that'll be cool. Well, Donnie, will you be surprised at this next article? Yes, I will be surprised. I cannot pull up the forum for whatever, but it sounds like Williams was uh, caught doing something again uh, this past weekend at the Nürburgring 24-hour. Uh, we got a video here. Um, trying to get the name. It won't let me open the link. It may have already been pulled. So that's interesting. Up with, uh, you know, the forum link is pulled as well because it won't let me get into the forums with it. So the video is still up, but the forum post has been removed, I see. And the forum post was titled 24-Hour Nürburgring Williams Esports Team Controversy Live Stewards Needed. And I can re tell you what I remember of the thread. Um, the op of the thread uh, was the guy who put up the video, I believe, uh, which is right above, and we still have that on YouTube. Basically, based on William's shady past and recent big races, uh, people are are really scrutinizing these drivers in these big races and and watching everything they do. And that's basically what this guy did is he went through and kind of picked apart this guy's race. He found some questionable incidents where he squeezed some slower cars off the track when he probably could have waited a minute. And, uh, you know, it was really roughing people up a little bit is the kind of what I saw. I don't know if it's cheating i don't know if it's a controversy i think it's just you know dirty ass driving um you know i don't know if there's anything to this but uh, obviously it went south in the forums and uh, iRacing staff removed the topic <laughs> so is this guy reaching is he just reaching for content at this point i don't know look at the replays uh, he, if you scroll through the video you'll see the replays in question he does put them up uh, but he talks about the replays quite a bit too, about why he thinks, uh, you know, such and such. In a way, though, Williams Esports kind of brought this um, this type of uh, scrutiny upon themselves from the stuff they have done that has been shady, you know. So, so the the uh, spotlight's on them every time they're in a big big event. That if they do something that's even even close to being shady, they're going to get called out for it. Like, for example, it's coming back to me now, like the there's a part of the Nürburgring track where it's just known that you shouldn't pass because of the way the layout is right there. And 
And so the, they they caught a slower car and they tried to make a maneuver, you know, when they in a place where they shouldn't have. The announcers in the clip, you know, go nuts. Oh, what is he doing? Da, da, da. And he ran into the back of him. And yeah, it's, you know, drama. Anyway, well, it, let's watch it, it and see what happens. It is interesting because uh, I actually finally had a slightly successful protest on a on a dive bomber in multi-class racing because generally they they don't want to play the the who's at fault game but this is kind of one situation where the the lower slower class cars are getting put in in a real bad dilemma and they're always having to be afraid of of somebody running them over if they don't get out of the way and then them getting out of the way is unpredictable which will screw over the guys that are passing them correctly when they try to get out of the way where when you're and you're going where you where they're not supposed to be um and you run into them because they tried to get out of your way uh so that i i really hope they could do something a little bit more about it's in the sporting code that the that the faster car has to facilitate a safe pass and this is this is one of those types of accidents that should have consequences in the service you know it Obviously, one time is not going to be an instant man. You're going to get warnings and stuff. But when people who are habitually just running over people, they need to shut them down. Now, while we're on the topic of this track, I'm going to jump down the script to one of the bottom green stories, guys, um, where we have a couple tweets. Uh, one is from at AJR Gaming. Hey, iRacing, instead of banning iRacers for starting from the back by leaving and then rejoining after qualifying, how about release a simple patch to prevent them from doing it? Or add a button that says, start from the back, first come, first served. Surely there must be a better way than doing a warning or a ban. So apparently in the Nürburgring, everyone who, uh, who qualified and then disconnected from server got a warning automatically written up like you know whatever protested whatever you want to call it and then the other thing that was announced was right before the race iRacing put out publicly this we have been informed of a potential exploit using pit lane at the Nürburgring to allow for additional outlap prior to qualifying please note that teams exhibiting such exploitive behavior are subject punitive action either during or after the event now they're actually getting protested for for wanting to go to the back after qualifying instead of just not qualifying. I guess is that what? Well, that's why people do it. They if you leave the server after if you want a good stall, but you want to start in the back, you leave the server after queue, and it puts you in the back. If but you keep why your would stall. you start in the back? Just does not be in the middle of the muck on the first lap because you're you're Tom Dryling and you don't want to qualify. He never qualifies. He always wants to be in the back. I, I like the start from the back option. I mean, we have in leagues drivers who will actually ask for this sometimes just so they can just start out of the muck and kind do of you, get warmed up first. Do you keep your pit stall? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it would be the equivalent of somebody making an unapproved change and having to start in the back in a NASCAR race, right? If they have to change the engine or even or do anything to that's just not typically approved then they start in the back but they still they literally actually parade lap in their starting position and then get an eoll so yeah i make it an option this guy is 
this guy's really on to something. I mean, look, I don't like the idea of having somebody new in the service. They're in their first year, maybe. They enter their first event, and they don't know any better. I don't think it's publicized that, dude, you can't disconnect from the server after qualifying or you'll get a, a ban. I, I mean, so if they innocently do it and then they get the email from iRacing, you've been warned, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's just going to put a real sour uh, taste in the mouth. Uh, they need to fix this systematically where they don't need to ban anybody uh, if they leave the server or not. Uh, their software puts them, the person in the right spot whether they leave the server or not. That's what they need to do. But if all they did was warn, and this is being done by people on purpose, which means they're not new, your, your guys running Nuremberg 24 are probably not new. And if they're, using, if they're using this tactic and they're in upper splits, they know what they're doing. This is not some guy suffering from ignorance. But again, even for the new guys, if it's just a warning and you don't do it again, it's 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 going to be a no harm, no foul kind of situation. Then the pit road thing, I think, I wonder if you could, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to understand what the exploit is, but I think, I'm guessing you would go backwards out of pit road and come out of the pit road entrance do a UE on the track and you would have additional time on track. I guess that's what they're talking about, but I'm not sure. Uh, it seems to let you get, I probably let you get your tires warmer, warmer, but if your tires are not warm after nine minutes, what in the world? Yeah, that's kind of silly. You get an extra a hundred yards of heat in the tires for a eight minute lap. <laughs> All right. I digress, but uh Nürburgring, it's a great track. I do recommend it. Uh, if you're into road racing at all, uh, get it. What's fun about it is just getting out there by yourself and just trying to keep it on the track and get a lap in. And it, it's not easy the first 50 times you do it. You know, you're going to take it, takes you a while to learn the track. All right. We're jumping back up towards the upper part of the script. And Justin, you can take this one. It's uh, entitled Customize Your Car. Yeah. iRacing has a tweet. Your, oh, button, sure. your button dropped. Oh, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, iRacing has a tweet, and it says, in this how-to tutorial, learn everything you need to know about customizing your car. And it's a little YouTube video uh, going through step-by-step -step on how to do it. This is one thing I have not attempted yet. And by the way, Brian, that paint you helped me out with, phenomenal. Loved it. So I don't spend any time in this thing at all. I mean, I, the way I do paints is I... I instant message a team member <laughs> and that's about the extent of it. But uh, what do you guys think? Have you used this tool or the in the in-house paint as they call it? So backtrack on that real quick, Mike. So when you don't, you run a series that you don't have trading a, a paint loaded up for, we see your generic iRacing paint. So whatever the, oh, origin... that's what this is. Yes. Yes. So funny you say uh, that because I saw this tweet. And I was like, Oh wow. They've, they've made some updates to the, to the paint booth. And then I would start watching the video and I'm like, man, how old is this video? And then I realized it was brand new. So it's it's a video for the brand new iRacer who hasn't learned about trading paints yet. But but Mike, you could spend some time in here with your other cars that you don't have uh, a paint for and uh, get them looking a little sharp, a little sharper. Especially for all your uh, all the stuff you do on Saturday night with all the different cars that hosted races that you don't have a paint for. You might 
throw a paint up real together real quick just at least get it to the colors you prefer instead of being in the same paint everybody else is you know it's it's funny um nick neben he had a video a month ago or so and somebody joined his race that had an all-white car and it didn't upset him but it upset him and he had a because it doesn't look good i guess if there's a car out there that's just all white so he i guess he has a way of putting a paint on it which i thought was interesting but but yeah, I guess some guys. David marks people. You you can uh, put a paint in the folder with the right number on it as the ah. name, and, and mark it as read only, so trading paint doesn't overwrite it. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that was the old way of putting people on the list. Interesting. That's... The, the cars used to show up in this ugly caution tape, like like construction tape, yellow and white, or no, yellow and black. Now I just use a Joe Real Timing. I yeah, like because it. the way the way trading paints works is that server was basically downloading all these paints into your paint folder, and each one is a unique number for each driver. So, if you have a certain driver that you want to have the caution tape paint on, you just uh, you know figure out that number and and then uh, change that paint to that number's name and read only. Now, the other thing is, besides using the in-house paint thing, I, I could do it with all these other cars, is just go on tradingpaints.com, look for a community paint, and just pick one that somebody else has already painted, right? Absolutely. I'm just lazy. I need to do that. It's an off week. It's perfect time to do it, right? Got a couple days a left. Time looking over. You can spend a lot of time looking over other people's paints. It, it, there's a lot. All right, so I did allude to this one a little bit earlier, and it is on the script. I couldn't remember if, if, when this came out this week or not. Um, but the the uh, plan for next year in the open world world announced on the downshift is that they're going to run the open world championship in the Delara IOR01. More details will be announced later, but that's basically what they're going to use for the open world championship. Basically, uh, the... Uh, the indie this cars year, not next year. That's right. It's coming in. It's coming in. Um, you're right. They just say 2023. So See, open open wheel championship. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense because um, the original one followed the actual Indiana car schedule. Um, I got super excited when I read this again. I got to read things before I see that or pay attention. I thought it was coming back to the the 18. I got super excited, but it's not. It's the 01, like David said. But it's weird that it's, it's going to reach. Yeah, that's going to return. I mean, we're halfway, not halfway through their season, but we're getting to be halfway through their season. So I don't know. Well, no, I nobody's. Think when they, uh, Donnie, I think when he means when they say return, uh, the, the, the original. Uh, open wheel championship was the iro one when they they first put it out and they ran formula one style tracks they didn't really follow the indie schedule or anything like that it was more of a it was more of a f1 replacement is the way i saw that particular season and i forget who won it brian i don't you might remember but um but i that this is a return of that i think is, is what we're seeing did it say what class? Yeah, it's I think you're be? right, Mike. It, yeah, we have no other details besides what's listed here, so not a lot of, to go on. Okay. Yeah, I'm at, I didn't have like a qualifying series and stuff like that, right? Is this the World Championship that they're looking at, or is this going to be like the NIS series 
that there is coming back because there used to be an, an IndyCar version of the NIS series. No, I don't think that's it. Nah. I think the original I think series it's be of more this, like the Porsche series. Yeah, it's it's a proper championship. Ah, okay, all right. Yeah, like probably twenty five thousand uh, with an open yeah. wheel. Yeah. Yeah, you know when they don't have a sponsor, they'll just put up twenty five k as a as a purse, and then they usually take um, the top twenty or something from the official series that happens right before the championship series. So, like they'll announce, you know, twelve weeks out or something. Hey, you got to run uh, this official series and be in the top twenty to make it or something like that. Um, oh, it begs the question though. Uh, so we talked about the road side of this car, but what about the oval side of this car? I mean, my poor, 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 poor Delara dash. I mean, I have so much fun with that, by the way, uh, at Phoenix, at Pocono, even Indy, uh, Charlotte, Michigan. I mean, it's so much fun on these big ovals with this car. Uh, what are they going to do with, uh, after, you know, into this next season, are we ever going to have an official oval series or are they going to keep it at the Delara dash or what? That's a, that's a good question, Mike. Cause when they did do this series last time, they didn't have the oval setups for the IRO one like they do now. So maybe they'll mix in some oval tracks with the, with the road course. That would be cool. Would they? In would you, way, see, would yeah. you want to see a F1 style tracks mixed in with American ovals? Why not? Yeah, that would make it more like a, a IndyCar series where they mix some ovals in with the road courses. I mean, the picture the picture that they posted is uh, looks like it's um, a Long Beach, I think, right? Yeah. So that's more of an IndyCar track than it is a, a, a F1 track. Yeah, maybe we're reading this wrong. Maybe it it is some kind of IndyCar style replacement series, but we'll have to wait and see. But I guess to David's point, it probably means that the negotiations for the IndyCar coming to back to iRacing are probably pretty cold. Well, there are. I, I'm pretty sure there's no negotiations at this point. Uh, iRacing and MSG, you might as well call them enemies at this point, or definitely rivals. That. Uh, so there's no there's no cooperation between them when they're sitting there not even letting us broadcast a car you know um so just to raise a glass to the downfall of msg right we'll see all right mike um you're not retired yet are you no but there is a track uh that is it's rockingham speedway and we see on Facebook in a group called Retired Race Cars and Abandoned Racetracks group that Rockingham has gotten a repave. And um, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's got a repave. Does that mean iRacing is going to scan it? <laughs> uh, is always the question. Now, this isn't a track that is live anymore as far as series, I think. I don't even understand why they would repave it. But yeah, Tyler Willard posted on May 12th, the rock got repaved, hoping NASCAR comes back. I can see like maybe ARCA or, or trucks maybe go on there. I don't think they'll get cup, cup cars back there anytime soon, unless they do something like they're doing for like the all-star race with, um, look, with North Wilkesboro. Look, whoever put up the money to pave it, there's no way they paved it without having some knowledge of some series coming, um, right? They're not uh, just going to pave it, just hoping. Actually, didn't some tracks get some COVID money? 
To, well, to that's how it. North Wilkesboro, a part of it, uh, got funded was through COVID money. Yes, you're right. So maybe uh, maybe that's how the, they got it funded was through the COVID money. All right, we want to rescan. Rockingham is bumpy. I don't know if you guys have run that, but whoo, bumpy, bumpy, up and down through one and two. It's like it's like a roller coaster. Majors did their classic oval race there the first year I ran majors, and it was it was full length and had his and had the cautions happening as often as they do at Martinsville. The server ran out of time before we ran all the laps. So I was actually out in the weather today. We took our kids to uh, a uh, minor league baseball game at uh, the whole middle school. It was pretty interesting. And the weather was great. Um, you could almost call it default weather, Brian. Yeah. So this is a tweet from iRacing's official account. Um, and here's what they, they posted. They say, happy iRacing default weather day. Unless other other date or weather settings are used. I racing default weather is 78 degrees, low humidity and partly cloudy on May 15th, a perfect day for racing. So, um, so I, I'm a little confused if, if this is like, um, they just happen to hit this exact, uh, weather, or if this is what their new, um, default setting is permanently as of May 15th. No, I think it means, when you load in and you don't specify weather, you're loading in on May 15th. Okay, I gotcha. So that's iRacing I default is May 15th. That's the weather you're going to get. Yeah, every single race you run is May default. 15th. <laughs> so I guess we just hit that on the real calendar. So it's uh, iRacing default weather day. <laughs> that's now. The new holiday, right? It's like May the we, 4th for Star Wars. Is that like yeah. Barney's birthday? You know, I, I let, I'm gonna I'm gonna propose that. Let, I, you know, from this point forward, May fifteenth is Barney's birthday. Title idea: Barney's birthday. I like it. All right, Donnie. It looks like we have a 2023 iRacing full review. Sean Cole from the Simpit gives the iRacing software a full. 3.0 version review. So he's obviously done this before in the past. This would be his third version. So I've went to the it's a 31 minute video, but I went to the end and he had, uh, he goes through his pros list and his cons list. The cons list is basically what we've all heard in the past. It's expensive. Um, it's competitive. It's not a game It's the simulator, obviously. Um, but after having been on for three years, I can kind of, in my mind, dispute some of his, his cons, his negatives, but as a new, new person to it, I can get there. Um, I can get where he's coming from on it. Um, especially you don't own any of the content that you purchase, you purchase it, but you don't own it. You rent it or lease it for the most part. But, um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I rental is what he called it. You don't own anything. <laughs> uh, and I think the, the big thing that was my takeaway on his not so good list was the dated looking graphics, the, Everything has a yellow tint to it or whatever people say, you know, or it just doesn't have the look of a modern game. You know, if you sit down at a, or set, a set of Corsa or F1 2022 or something, it just has a different look. And I don't know how to explain it, but when you sit down at iRacing, it looks like it's from 10 years ago because it is from 10 years ago. I've always heard of the yellow thing, and I never got that. that the game doesn't come across yellow to me. In my opinion, at least. Well, to the discerning eye. Do you eye, do any like other sim races? 
I guess no, for I don't. Comparison, no. I mean. Yeah, see, yeah. I don't. I don't do delve into other sims, so I don't really have a good comparison level. You know, I left the console wor- world for this, and you know, they have good graphics and whatnot. But I've never been disappointed with iRacing graphics. I don't. I just appreciate what it is, and that it's actually overall a good platform. So I've never really sat there and. You know, my my son sometimes will make a comment. He's younger; he might give a crap about that stuff. But like, I, as long as the game performs well and I'm I'm having fun, and I don't know, I just never have had a hang up about the yellow screen and and the graphics looking dated. Um, obsolete purchases was on his list. Like, you buy a a car you regret, like you you ran it for a week and then you never touched it again. You know, we've all been down that road. That like the F1 car. I bought the F1, uh, the latest F1 car, and I ran it for a week, and I haven't touched it. They get people on the sticker shock in the beginning. Not the sticker shock, but the look at the new uh, toy to play with, and then a lot of people buy it, and then not much after that. Yeah, you know, one of the other ones was no single player career. I mean, we do have AI now, but it's not structured well, is it? I mean, to make it easy to do single-player UI? I mean, they, I, they don't make it like console. I think I'm living the single-player career mode in a way. Yeah, I do agree, Donnie. Yeah, NIS, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can come up with your own ladder system. You could work your way up. I mean, I don't know. It's not a game, in my opinion. You just took the words right out of my mouth. I was literally going to say, it's not a game, and you beat me to it. Yeah, there's there's no single player career mode in NASCAR or any other series. I mean, some of the good was works with all gear, like any kind of wheel, pedals, shifter, everything works. Uh, works on lesser computers. You don't really have to have a beast. You can tone down the graphics and and make almost anything work. Let me interrupt you on that one. That is why the graphics are dated. So he is pro is exactly the reason for his con. That's a good point. Kind of ironic, right? Great force feedback, he says. As far as the wheel, the you know, the audio, the haptics. You know, what what happens if iRacing decided to develop an all new engine? Um, I would say a majority of the user base is probably screwed and they're gonna have to rebuild a computer. It's and hard they, to say. I mean And they're probably aware of that. They know that they have a large subscription service, a lot of uh, members, and that could basically detonate half the service and then people would have to scramble to fix it. Is it realistic to even think that that's a possibility that they have to like scrap everything and start with some new new engine or whatever? At some point they do, right? I mean, you know, this company is set up to go, you know, in prepare perpetuate i can't say the word uh indefinitely let's say it that way um and you know because they're making money and and they're you know they're growing and that kind of thing and they've absorbed other companies to expand their business so they're not going anywhere you know so what is the you know long term i would ask tony gardner the ceo what is the long-term game plan with iRacing 10 years from now you know, what do you envision it to look like 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Is it still going to be on the same dated engine or are you guys going to rebuild at some point? And then, you know, what does that look like? I got a funny prediction. Chat GPT will be handling all the pro- protests. 
What would you guys want to see in 10 years with the, with the simula- simulator iRacing? Rain? <laughs> Darn it, that be, might be too soon. It, it uh, might be 10 years before it comes out. Well, we could make that a literally a segment of our iRacing I, I wish list. Y'all want to do that next week? Just Let's do it. Have a, have a segment. I think of cool. things every night and I never write it down. Yeah, I'm everybody think about that and uh, and we'll throw that in next week and even have a discussion on Discord for it as well. I, I, there's, there's plenty. I mean, again, we love the service, but of course we always also want to see things get better on certain things. And, and nothing about the UI that deserves its own topic. Yeah, true. You know, if I, I'm trying to look 10 years ahead in sim racing, uh, you know, I don't see the racing changing, you know, what we're doing on the software side, you know, there's little things that we want, but, but most of it's there, 99% of it's there. So I think the, the, the thing that we're going to see different is hardware, like the active pedals, like that's going to go mainstream. You're going to see the active pedal uh, mechanism or idea brought to gear shifts and, and your pedal and, you know, the, the wheel and all the, all of the seat, everything is going to be all fat, you know, haptic feedback. Everything has feedback built in. Everything will be motion. It, it'd be silly. I think in 10 years, probably not to have motion. Who knows? Well, a more current pressing thing instead of worrying about in 10 years is iRacing job postings. Mike, we have quite a few of them. Yeah. And what's interesting about this is, there initially was four jobs posted, but they quickly removed the fourth posting, and now there's only three. Now, because I'm clever, I get emails when certain people post, and it goes out immediately. So even if they delete the post 30 seconds later, I still have that email. So uh, I did see what the fourth job is. I'm going to jump to that because it's the uh, a job posting for a senior UX designer. Now, what is that? That's the guy that needs to redo the beta UI that we've been begging for, like a new person, a senior designer to come in that's you know experienced and can just put a new spin on it that's different than the spin they have. And this is awesome that you know they're even thinking about it. Now, why did he remove it, you know, a minute later? I don't know. Did they fill the position, you know, the moment he posted it? I don't know. Uh is the job no longer available? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I found it interesting. They are looking for a graphics engineer, and their job description is to create a whole new engine. So, no, I don't know. But they're looking for a graphics engineer as well. And a senior online programmer and a gameplay programmer. You know, is there a possibility that we get a second beta UI before this original beta UI is even finished? <laughs> they just or start they from change scratch? the one they have or build a new one and just move us to it? Or is it ever finished or is it like the freeway in any major city? Uh, everywhere. <laughs> Look, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the, I still can't go to standings and see that I'm third in Division 3 unless I count one, two, three. Oh, there I am, third. Because it doesn't show me a three. I mean, I want to see a three. I want to see what position I am in my division. I could care less what position I am overall. And, and until they fix that, I'm not happy with the beta UI. I still can't figure out how they can 
make that work on the app, but can't get it to work on this. It's worked on the app before they bought the app. <laughs> when the guy just did it on his own. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention that podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. You join our Discord discussion and check out the script at iRacersLounge.com. We're in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. I don't really want to hear about fantasy, Brian, but go ahead. <laughs> Somebody's going to do it, right? Uh, well, um, so Darlington did not go well for a lot of people. There was just a lot of big name drivers that got knocked out or whatever. Um, but uh, coming through all that mess was Cletus 45, who took first place with uh, GI Jojo at 24X. And uh, who was it? Uh, Racer, too, Racer Too Slow. Race Too Slow is in third place. Um, if you notice, the point system for the winners was actually really low for a normal race. So it just goes to show you not every, you know, nobody really was able to do really well on this. Um, 202 points was the, the winning total for the week, which is actually really low. Uh, we did get a couple of uh, Tifosi guys. Yeah, a couple of Tifosi guys. Uh, Tyler, uh, Fatboy1990, got fifth. Um, uh, Bobby Jonas, uh, sixth place. Uh, Stani got 11th, so not too bad for us. Um, I think I finished in the 40s with 150 points, so I was way down there. I got 17th, and I usually get like in the 30s, so that was a good week for me. I still didn't watch the race or change anything, but I had Harvick in the lineup, so Kyle Larson, uh, Brad, and Briscoe, and Kyle Busch. I had Ross and Kyle. That was a costly wreck. So, uh, Overall standings have uh, Mason Rayson in first place with Canadrian in second and Triptychle in third place. So, fantasy work on the All-Star Week or? No, I just checked. It's, nah. it's not going for the All-Star Week. Cool. So, who do we like for All-Star, though? Who in the field has run this track before in NASCAR? Anybody? Just late models, but I mean, a bunch ran the super lates last night. And the cars to her late models. Uh, those guys are racing one up. What's that? What did you think of that race, Donnie? You were watching it with me, I think, at the same time. Yeah, no, it was good. It was um, that was a late model stock you were talking about. And then I watched a super late model race this morning. Um, they had a lot of cup guys in that one. So there's guys with experience at North Wilkesboro. Um, but I don't know. I. Uh, I have a soft spot for Josh Berry, so I'm hoping he does well in the open. He's not eligible for the fan vote, so he's got to work his way in. And he's a short track guy, but I just I still want to see uh, Chastain turn full heel and accept his responsibility of being the heel. And so it's not going to happen. He's too nice. Well, I think all eyes are going to be on him this week to see how he behaves, right? Is he going to get in a skirmish again or what? So... Now, nobody mentioned that that he did 
just say, I got tight, I screwed up. He didn't say, uh, he didn't try to take away any of the blame. He said, no, he always takes it. Put himself on, on the nose. So um, I'm not particularly, I don't, I'd be a lot more pissed if he, if he said, oh, I was just trying to rattle his cage. Yeah, no, he accepts it all almost every time and is very open about it. So with these short tracks, and they've complained about the short tracks with this package, and now we're going to a short track. This is obviously a little bit faster than than some of them, but why don't we see them use the bumper more at these short tracks with this new car? I get they're going to say they can't catch up to them, but um, I'm hoping this weekend we get to see the bumper. Doesn't the car just, didn't they have the problem with the Coliseum to move them? Then once they let loose, the car just went with those big wide tires. Yeah, that, that yeah, that track's a little different because that new asphalt and being so tight and there was nothing really they can do, to be honest, but others didn't shove somebody out of the way. But um, yeah, I'm curious how this week goes. I want to see some actual moving people out of the way, respectfully, you know, not dumping people. I we hope need a tire fall off. I hope it does really well, but I don't know if you noticed, Donnie, on that late model race last night, the track was coming apart where they would seal the cracks. Yeah, there's a chance for a disaster this weekend for sure. <laughs> like you watched the, it during video, flipping up. I thought with the way they had the the short track set up that um, once they like bumped them in the back end, it just the car just got loose and spun right out. So I don't know how much they really can move them without actually spinning the guy out. Yeah, like Justin was saying, the wider tires doesn't help either. It won't be moving them. It'll be get to the inside of them and, you know, eight Shove is better than four. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also hearing that the tire degradation might be too high where they might be too unstable and they're not going to be able to pass because they're too loose. So we'll see how that, that works itself out. Should be fun. Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 30 Five years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. It's time for some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. The first one up is a report of ASUS problems. They're having some issues, I guess, with their software and motherboard that have gotten so bad that some prominent reviewers are even dropping their sponsorships. All right, let's uh, open this one up, Mike. Yeah, uh, Gamer Nexus, um, as well as J2Cents, uh, are two very famous uh, YouTubers uh, as far as building computers and gaming computers and stuff. Anyway, uh, both of them uh, are very critical of this company, Asus, for basically uh, putting out a beta um, BIOS, 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 B-I-O-S, for their motherboards uh and then when they they put it out for download they basically put this legal disclaimer on it that says you know we're not liable you know if this goes wrong and that kind of thing and then basically the bios fries the motherboard and the chip because it over voltages it like 
it, I don't know how much over voltage it did, but it over voltages the equipment and then fries it. And then basically ASUS is telling the users, you, it, you're screwed, you know, it's on you. <laughs> it's not our problem. Uh, and so uh, J2Sense, I mean, he's actually sponsored by ASUS. Like he has a sponsorship and, and he has a long history with the company and he's, he's like, I'm done with them. You know, I'm not going to do business. I'm not going to be associated with them. You know, this is not good to the consumer at all. This is this bad, uh, bad company business. And, and then gamer Nexus will take it to the next level. I mean, he calls them all kinds of, of, of names and different things that are, uh, highly, uh, you know, egregious. I mean, these guys are not happy. So I just want our listeners to know, you know, hey, if you're buying equipment, you might want to think twice about Asus. Are they board specific that they're talking about? What type of Asus board or are they just across the board and then the customer service aspect behind it? I think it's their big boards, the Republic of Gamer ones, you know, the ones for all the gaming that they use on the new XD card, uh, XD chip, you know, from AMD. So you're saying I shouldn't go download this BIOS? Well, make sure you read the disclaimers first, uh, it, well, because they definitely are, are not backing you up. You you said a key word though, beta. Though it's it's it is kind of curious that it's breaking hardware, but beta, it's not it's not fully tested. You know, and as I look at building a computer, you know, and and at some point in the over next year or two, uh, you know, I have to pick from these different companies and, and I don't really know a lot about all the different ones. And so I do it by reputation, you know? And so, yeah, these guys are kind of getting a reputation. Anything bad about their monitors? I, I have a no, actually, monitors. Uh, yeah. yeah. I have three uh, of those two too. Since J2 Sense video said that he's actually likes their hardware, their stuff like that. But um, it's 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 the stuff that he's working with the motherboards. Um, he um, he he had two of them shipped to him, and he he took the chip out, and there were damaged pins on the motherboard. So uh, he was you know that kind of upset him. So he got another one, and the same thing had some damage or something going on with the uh, pins on the motherboard. So, um, yeah, he was not happy at all. Uh, and this is really, I mean, this is the worst kind of publicity you can get if you're, if you're a company that's, that deals with, with guys who are, are this into your product and this into the industry in general. Um, this is the worst kind of, worst kind of, um, worst kind of stuff you can hear from somebody like this. Yeah. That J two cents has f almost 4 million subscribers on YouTube and the other guy has about one and a half million. So yeah, you're right. That's a big reach. Yeah, I can honestly say that Jay's two cents. He taught me how to build my computer. I've been watching him for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, for a company to to get these kind of bad reviews, and and the gamers Nexus guy, he he even said like, hey, I reached out. You know, they they said, hey, come on out, we'll have a discussion, and then they never responded or something, and so. I mean, he tried to make things right with them, but apparently they don't want to. Yeah, that was that was the other thing from both of those videos I, I got was just their, their customer service was really lacking, uh, really, really bad. Well, that's another thing they, they were very critical of in both their videos. 
Well, let's we can step away from that and uh, just move on to a regular uh, regular old hardware review. We have the Grid Engineering nine one one GT three button box, and it's um, it looks more like it basically is about a center console type look look right. Got quite a few buttons on it. In fact, the rags uh, on the intro forty two individual inputs. It's constructed with the best components, according to them. Um, got some rotaries, got some toggles, got your usual pop open and throttle control. Uh, it looks like a nice button box, kind of designed more like a center console. It's an official replica, actually, of a Porsche 911 cup car. I love this company. Um, everything they make is primo, I think. And this is certainly one of them. It, with the Porsche branding, I mean, it does increase the price. You're looking at $364. I love how thin it is. I love the carbon fiber on the front. The button quality, I just by visually, I, I want to say they're mid-level. They're not high-end. But everything else looks high-end. Is there only button box so far? What's that? Is this their only button box that they've made so far? I think so, yeah. All right, well, I mean, it has got the Porsche license. Yeah, so it'd be nice to see if they came up with some other ones and uh, see what they would sell them for. It does look nice. It looks clean. looks nice. I don't know how I'd mount this to my rig specifically, how I have it laid out now, but yeah, if you're a Porsche fan, and why not? Well, where it would go in a real car is basically right in front of your gear shifts, right? Yeah, I already got right. a box there, then my monitor is there not a dash so that would be a problem but now as a reminder this company grid by sim lab they had we recently talked about their entry-level formula wheel at one thousand fifty dollars called the grid mpx has no display but looks like a pretty nice wheel but their flagship wheel is the older porsche 911 sim racing steering wheel with a, a porsche branding display bright colors all tons of buttons overloaded with buttons uh $2,280 for that wheel one of the most highest uh most expensive wheels out there so they they do also make a 80 20 mount for their button box to mount it to your rig yeah i've said it before but grid engineering before they combined with sim lab they were based out of toronto i think or somewhere in canada and uh, i bought uh, most of my sim lab rig uh, from them actually all right this one's got to be right up your alley mike yeah this is a, just a quick hit really uh real uh daniel morad uh put out a, a short youtube that basically said he's updated his SimiCube force feedback profiles and uh, they're available to be uh for everyone to to use now he now I'd, I had his original profile under his name Daniel Morad. You can search uh, the SimiCube software for that. But these new ones that he's pr uh, just produced are under the name Moradness, which is the name of his glove company. Uh, his last name followed by N E S S. So do a search for that word, Moradness, in the software. You'll get a GT3 specific. Uh, profile and then i forget the second profile open wheel or something like that but i went and grabbed him um and i you know and i use his stuff as well as some other uh, key profiles on a regular basis 
I, I have never really monkeyed with the settings. I've always used other people's profiles, and I, I it just feels good enough for me. I'm, I mean, I don't feel like I need to change anything. What about you, Donnie? You're, what profiles are you using? I'm using the online profiles. Um, minor adjustments here and there, but uh, yeah, no, I'll just find one for what car I'm, I want to drive, and I just save it. So every time I hop in that car, I just switch the profile real quick. All right, I know some of us are VR guys, some of us are triple guys. Mac, I can't remember, are you single or, or triple wide? Uh, I'm VR. Okay, I won't throw this one to you then. Um, Donnie? Yeah, so we got a forum post by Nathan Bartley, and he's looking for advice if triple 45 with a resolution of 21.9 is possible. So in the thread, he asked, or somebody asked David Tucker, is it possible? He responds, he says, we can render to triple curved monitors. However, even a 21.9 aspect ratio is fairly wide. Having three ultra wides results in a very short vertical view. So it is more difficult to see the dash than if you went with simple 16 nines. So it's, it's a bad idea, the 21 nines. And, I, and, and, and one of the posters down below, Owen Pyra, really puts it in perspective when he puts up a picture of from Star Trek, the next generation, Jordy LaForge with his visor, his little slot visor that he looks through. For, I thought that know, was the reading rainbow guy. Yeah, the reading rainbow guy. So imagine you're Jordy LaForge oh, and you're looking kids. through that little slot. <laughs> well, that's what it would look like if you had 21 by 9 monitors. You would have no vertical FOV at all. Um, it'd be like looking through a little slot. But you know what Jordy could do? He could see the tire and tell you what you need to do to the setup because he can see infrared. So he could literally see the tire temperatures. Don't do it. Don't do the 21 by 9. Now, a single monitor, you know, I think it's doable, uh, you know, to get a, one of those 21 by 9s. But I, if you're doing triples, you really need a more traditional 16 by 9 ratio. Uh, that's that's the sweet spot. Um, when we looked at those triple 45s, that looked so sweet last week. Those were 16 by nine ratios, um, and and I don't I just don't know if it works with these ultra wides. Yeah, um, might have, might have saved him a bunch of money too because those those uh, 45 inch OLEDs are 1500 a pop. So that's 4500 dollars in monitors if you did triples in those and to not work really well that would be that would be a heartbreaker. Somebody sent him the link for the story from last week of 16 by 945s. I mean they were 1300 each and that was a way better setup than what this would be. Why do you think the perfect size monitors are for like scale of the car? I think 27 if if you're if they're close to you. If, you know, if you can get them as close as possible, I, I think anything lower in 27, you're below scale of the car. But as you go up in size from 27, 32, 45, like we saw last week, and you get those monitors further away from you, the scale uh, stays the same because, because you're moving them farther out. So I think you can go bigger monitor and keep the right scale. Now, how far is your eyes from your screen, Mike? 26 or something oh wow about close. the same as the width yeah it's right behind the the wheel basically or right above the wheelbase 
So right on top, um, Justin, we all three have the same base. So right on top of the front portion of the base. So maybe like maybe an inch behind the foremost portion of the base. I gotcha. I think I sit 63 centimeters from my screen, eyed screen. I don't know centimeters, but how wide are your screens? I think for, 32. Me, it's about, for me, it's about three centimeters. <laughs> three. That converts to what, 17 inches? Yeah, roughly. That's close for a 32. That's really close. How many centimeters did you say, Justin? I was 63. way off by three. 63, that's like 25 inches. Okay, so oh, okay. That's, that's still, that sounds right, though. 25 inches away on a 32-inch monitor, that's about where you want to be. As close as you can, really. Then my monitors are at 60 degrees. What does that convert to down here, degrees-wise? What? What do you mean by that? Nothing. All right. Well, speaking of degrees, something that tends to run hot are CPUs. And Justin, the next question is, what CPU? Yeah, Mario's Moretti asks in the iRacing forms, do you think changing my i10-700 to a i7-13-700K mother uh, give me a good step up in performance? Um, I don't know Intel that much. Maybe you guys can chime in. Well, if you scan the replay or some of the replies, most of them say probably yes. It, it, it'll it jump up to DDR5 RAM as well. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about the replies is, is it, you know, in, Intel or AMD? I mean, do you want the Intel 13700 or do you want, you know, that new XD uh, chip? I think it's a toss-up. See, I'm not... I'm not a computer expert by any means, but from what I've been reading, I think I messed up by going the AMD side because it sounds like Intel works better with uh, iRacing. So here's a, a comment from our old friend Bino Van Rensburg, and he says this, but anyway, advice by Philip Morton above solid, either the 13700K or the 7800X3D, uh, pick either one. Performance and iRacing with a 4090 would be similar, so let the price, availability, and features decide your spend. It's a happy moment in time if you're a PC builder. So it doesn't matter. So what Bino and is saying here, uh, you know, as well as Philip Morton, who we've quoted a lot in the past as well on computer stuff, is you can pick either AMD or Intel, and you're not going to go wrong here. So may the best chip win. You know, they're saying, you know, which one's cheaper? Maybe that's the one you want to go with. But I think, you know, if they're that equal and I'm doing a build, I'm going to do Intel just because I've traditionally have done Intel. And, and uh, again, I, like I said before, I base my purchases a lot on reputation and personal experience. All right. So you never know when you're sitting there iRacing, you know, really focused on coming into that, 532nd turn at Nürburgring and a bear is like sneaking up behind you or something, right? What do you need? Well, tell us, Brian. <laughs> well, this 
this is pretty interesting. Um, so Amazon actually sells a monitor-mounted mirror. That's a, it's a wide-angle rear-view mirror that mounts on top of your monitor. So, uh, yeah, so you, you uh, stick it on top of your monitor, um, and it's just, it is a rear, real mirror. It's not like a sim mirror. You're not going to see what's behind you on the racetrack. You're going to see what's behind you as you're racing in your house. So nobody's going to be able to sneak up on here or nothing like that with this mirror mounted. Um, it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, it probably works good in your office and stuff like that. So if you, if you're like in a corner or something, nobody sneak up on you, your boss don't catch you, uh, on a website you're not supposed to be on or something like that. You can see them coming, uh, but it works on iRacing too. Nothing worse than having a freaking desk that your back is to the door. I mean, you're just shooting yourself in the foot on that one, but this could fix it. And my, actually my rig, my back faces the door and, I always have that weird feeling somebody standing over my shoulder watching me. And then sometimes I'll get startled because I, I don't know, weird like that. So I don't know. This would help out with that. I can see them open the door and walk in. So I would uh, have the jump on them and not be so scared. Now, my old rig, I did mount a uh, rear view mirror, but it was one of those little round ones that, you know, magnified. Uh, and I just had it hanging from the center mirror and I it would if somebody walked in the room and I did have my back to the door on the old rig, I would see, you know, the mirror in the mirror, them, the flash of them walking in and uh, be aware, Hey, there's somebody in the room besides me. Because like you said, it, it can startle you because you're so focused on the monitors and racing and, and you're listening and you really forget, you know, Hey, I'm physically in this house. I'm in a room. There's people here. And then when somebody walks in, it can be a heart attack time. So I like this idea. I don't know if I need it with my current rig, um, but I'm sure there's iRacers out there that would love to have this. You needed it for that desk you're sitting in right now. Look at that door behind you. Yeah, I can't you see don't you. Want anybody somebody came in, boom. <laughs> nobody coming and yelling at you, you know, and not see them coming. That's for sure. Brian, motion. Wow. Yeah, this was a post on Denver Racing Sim, um, and uh, it's it's an amazing. Mo I mean, to call this motion is not like anything like I have, where it's a just a platform system. This is like uh, these giant actuators that's throwing this guy around. He's like almost in like a um, like a, a cockpit, almost like a flight, fighter pilot cockpit. The way he's moving around in this thing. Uh, really cool looking um he's even on this uh if you if you watch the video even on the side he's got like a big giant monitor showing different angles of him racing and in the sim and all it's, it's really cool it's an amazing little deal i don't think this is a uh, a commercially uh, available product i don't think but it's oh, pretty it impressive it's, this is uh general is it general dynamics i think is the name of it something like that and uh remember they actually um was the title sponsor brian of the original ir01 championship and um you can buy this um it's not cheap now I'd, i i want to point out this place that we see it at is called denverracingsim.com out of denver colorado and it's a facility where you can sign up for a membership uh, to join the club at $50 a month. It allows you access to the lounge and the sim. You get 24 access to do sim sessions. So basically for 50 a month, you can race this thing as much as you want. 
I don't think Tom's too far from Denver. We need to talk him into trying this. That makes a lot more sense. I thought this was somebody's setup, and I thought, man, that is a lot to get ready before a race. And I'm thinking, Mike can never do this. Like, he couldn't get those monitors set up. He'd be stressing. I'd be stressing out. But um, now it makes sense that it's an actual location you can go and be a member of. You can do a, a sim session for $30 each. It has it has the triangular, I guess, three directions of freedom uh, motion, or I guess six. I don't know which way you would count that, but it also rotates f- fully. Like it, you could probably it would probably spin all the way around if, as you're going yeah. on a track. Yeah, it's not just it's not just moving the the forward, backwards, left and right. It has a it's spinning on like a, a big giant uh, turntable almost that's spinning as you go. It's 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 really a lot of movement a lot of movement probably too much for a car to be honest with you but it looks like fun at least what is it if you look underneath the seat on the platform it has the name of it it says force dynamics that's the name of force dynamics that's it yeah that's who sponsored the iro one you're right when you go into the membership section on their website it says it's a hundred thousand dollar racing simulator which is that's just crazy but it also says uh the members of uh, the denver racing sim have the opportunity to compete in iRacing's hosted world championship series so that's pretty cool yeah and indicated you could get a discount off your iRacing membership if you're a, a member of their club now i just went to the website it's force-dynamics.com and we'll see all right next up we have a wheel review Got a, we, we're always having all these new rims come out, and these new ones are very uh, unique. Uh, my biggest critique of them, though, is that they're missing a few buttons. They don't got any buttons, and that license plate one scares me. So what it actually is is a, is a pick the weirdest wheel. This guy is just trying literally everything he can to uh, to stick on there. He's got to bust it like a flat basketball carcass a license plate, some kind of dish or mirror. Is that a turbo? The last one? Upcap. Yeah, there's a turbo. A dustpan. Dustpan. A dustpan. You know, kudos for him getting him centered and mounted on the wheel, not being all um oblong, but man, the license plate one gave me a little anxiety there for a second, guy that, cutting his fingers off. I started say, could you imagine running yeah. that license plate at a hundred percent force feedback? Yeah. Mike would be like against you. Mike wouldn't even <laughs> let go and the blood's flowing either. He's just he's in it, in it to win it. He might lose a That's pinky, right. but he's doing it. Yeah, we saw that video of the guy a week or two ago who located a bunch of fingers when he was in an accident with high force feedback. If something like that happened with a license plate, that's sharp enough to take a digit off, right? So Douglas Thompson asked, "What is which one is your favorite? And so I did reply and told him, well, I like the dustpan, uh, especially when you take the handle into the nuts, which he almost did. It, would, it looked like he almost had a bad accident there with the dustpan. The, uh, the dustpan would, really would really be appropriate for off-road racing, too. So I think I brought this up in the chat. <laughs> but it's not the pro sim brian i think it's that bdh shifter he's got mounted there to the side and uh the camus direct drive i wonder wonder what's up with that maybe he needed something a little i don't know it was just interesting combo there trying to look at it i don't think it is a bdh shifter it's hard to tell from what i'm seeing it might be one of the early version pro sims then 
All right, Mac, next up we've got uh, a new Thrustmaster offer. Yeah, Thrustmaster has the, the T818 direct drive bundled with the Ferrari uh, SF1000 steering wheel. It's available to pre-order in Europe, uh, not including the UK. These would be perfect for those. Bucks. Yeah, perfect for those F1 arcades. So you can, you know, get a Ferrari licensed wheel to look at. I love look the nice. look of it. The, the red is nice. Yeah. Yeah, the red is very nice. The red Ferrari red, and yeah. If I was going to buy one of these, yeah, I would pick the red one for sure. And then it's got the LEDs around the front of it, and they got those in kind of a red as well. So, yeah, it's got a great look to it. Then they, they got the formula, uh, the excuse me, the Ferrari replica wheel on the front of it as well. So it's all Ferrari, you know, branded and yeah, it's a neat look. But eleven hundred bucks for that baby. Um, so pre-orders are May fifteenth in Europe. They go on sale June 14th. On June 6th, pre-orders open in Australia. And then in the U.S. and U.K., we got to wait until the 12th of June to pre-order for a launch of July 12th. I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're buying a wheelbase, is this what you're buying? I don't, you know, right now, man, I'd be buying an Ace Attack probably. Or if you're trying to stay in the in the lower price range, I think Sim Magic. It might be the best option, right? Sim Magic, or even a Fanatec CSLDD, or something. But if you have a uh, SC2 wheelbase and you want to run other adapters, you might want to grab this Simu SRM QR adapter. And it's basically the easiest product to use if you want to use a different QR or quick release system, or you just want a spacer on your SC2 wheel. This thing looks like it could come in handy. Um, somebody on a Facebook group was asking, how do I mount this wheel to a Simicube quick release? And this is what somebody told him to buy. Um, you know, it's basically an adapter um, that gives you the options of, of mounting pretty much any wheel to that QR. Now, I don't think I needed it because I ended up getting a spacer that has the same kind of adaptive qualities. qualities um, the, my actual wheel spacer does the same thing, so, but it's five inches long. What about you, Donnie? Have you had any problems uh, getting your wheels mounted up? No, I just bought all um, the SimiCube. I bought a adapter for each each wheel that I have, so I have three of them that I mainly run, and I just use the one adapter for the wheelbase and then the pin. I don't see any difficulties with it. All right. So this is like maybe putting a real-world wheel on your QR, maybe, that is what this is for? Well, I run a real-world wheel on a, with the, the adapter mounted to the back, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to find the, the reason of needing this, and I can't find one. Well, it maybe it may it's an adapter, just like you have an adapter. It's just, a, I guess, a different option, right? He's, just, he's yeah. saying this is the, in this guy's opinion, it's the easiest of the adapters to use. I think my point is, my Fanatec wheel wouldn't oval wheel. I don't think would have bolted directly to the SimiCube QR without something like this. I didn't need this because I bought on Amazon that five inch extender, and it has the same patterns. So when you read the description for the product, it says it's the easiest product to use if you want to use a different QR system. So I think maybe oh, it's for I if you want to use a different one than the. So you want to be, use an NRG QR on your SimiCube. 
That's what you're saying. Yeah, that, I think that's basically what it's saying it's for. That's it. Oh, I figured it out. <laughs> yeah, and NRG saying, is a, a good one. A lot of people speak highly of the of those. Yeah, because the, the next line says how to remove the semi-cube uh, QR, and then it says to just bolt this one on where it was. So it's if you want to use a different one. Yeah, uh, my, you know, if you're invested in a, a different system like NRG, maybe this would be handy. But honestly, I, the SimiCube QR is great. I, I don't see anything wrong with it at all. There is no give in it, no play. A pin is kind of a, a nuisance to have to shove the pin through the hole and you have to hit it with your palm. And, you know, it's kind of a, a nuisance, but it works. Sometimes yanking it out could be hard. I broke my nail the other day doing that, shoving a pin in. I caught the Allen head. Right. It, you have to be kind of swift with it, and you have to give it a good hefty hit. You know, it doesn't just go in easily. Well, we got one more, Mike. Finish this off. All right. Trying to find the, the page. Yeah, we have the SG Sequential Shifter. And we always butcher this guy's name, Lawrence de Sussois. De <laughs> he reviews the new SG Racing sequential shifter. And uh, yeah, I think this is the one that um, we've, we've seen it a few weeks ago. Um, it's got a click to it, you know, when you go to, to shift it. Um, but I don't know if it feels like a shifter. I, I think that's the impression I got from it. I mean, he was doing like some rally racing and dirt, you know, kind of thing where it was doing a lot of shifting and, and he basically had his hand on it the whole time and one, one hand on the wheel and, and he's aggressively going forward and backwards with it. And it seems to work good. I don't know. I mean, you guys have all been looking at shifters recently. Uh, I mean, does this one fit the cake or not? I think me and David are waiting for a certain one. Um, but there was one in Ohio that came out or that we did a couple weeks ago that I like, I think I'm putting that on the top of the list until I find out further. But I mean, this is it serves its purpose. Uh, the click is a, it does seem a little hollow. So I'd like to. I want a clunk. I want it to hear. I want to hear a clunk when the sequentials shifted. Yeah, we base. We're we're probably going to be beta testers on that one. On the certain one though. Yeah, so I'm so, holding out for that one. The clunk is important, like you said. I, but you got everyone needs to listen. Understand that when I go and drop a gear with my shifter. Not only does it clunk, but I got the butt kicker hitting me in the butt with it at the same time. I got the, the butt kicker on the back of the rig rattling the rig at the same time. And so it's the it's everything combined. So when you shift gears, man, it's obvious. The whole rig is like dunk, junk, you know, and, and I think it's important that you feel that in the actual handle too. I mean, what would it feel like if I'm getting hit in the butt? when I'm, I'm, uh, you know, on, I'm changing gears, but I don't feel anything in my hand when I'm touching the gear shift. I just feel the little click, click, click. It's not going to feel right. Okay. We're going to jump to, uh, results, the NASCAR iRacing series. Let's finish up, uh, Darlington. I got a P14, had a good run, was running top five most of the race. I did have some run-ins with some guys. I was getting wrecked and putting in the back and then dumped on a couple uh, green-white checkers, ended up P14. 
Tony Rochette wrecked out. Justin, P10. Yeah, I, Mike, I started 11th. It really came down to green flag pit stops, and I decided to pit early a little bit, get some fresh tires, maybe gain some ground. And as soon as I pitted, caution came out, stuck me a lap down, and I couldn't couldn't catch my lap back up. But luckily, a lot of people a lot of people were DQ'd, so I got a P10 out of it. Yeah, stay in it. David, a rare DNF. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but a rare reason. I don't usually have connection issues. Um, and I think it was a, a local problem because I had the same thing occur last night uh, doing an IMSA race where it, where it dropped me. What happened is, it you know, it just you see the key bar start going up everybody blinked out right when a caution happened and it kicks me off the server and then i sat and waited on uh the ui for a little while because it was during nibbergring so we could only use the ui then i just to try to i guess out of impatience i closed the ui and reopened it and then the ui wouldn't reconnect even um and at that point uh, I tried to I tried for probably three or four minutes and at that point it was pointless the car was good I was running mid-pack and was working my way towards probably a top 10 but Tuesday night I know the same thing happened this time it was going through the website and when I I reconnected the first time I got a message that it failed to connect to the server so I just I got up and, and power cycled my fiber um, modem and the uh, and the router which hasn't been done in probably months and it seemed to fix it so hopefully oh, what happened you again. didn't lose you didn't lose team speak though it's not like you lost internet yeah it was literally only happening to the iRacing server and not to the web I, w I could get to the website but the connection to the the server was was acting up uh, oh yeah, because last night I, I gotta lift this part out. I got back on when I when I got back on, I was blinking out. Uh, I was getting the cue bar blink out. Everybody disappear. It happened like three times. I was staying clear of traffic. I wasn't near anybody, um, and then it kicks me out again. And that's when I went and power cycled the, the router and, and got back on. And at that point, didn't seem to have any problems. But we'll see. I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna go on and do some Le Mans practice tonight with with the Mad Sim guys. So we'll see if anything happens. And then uh, I digress. My internet has been rock solid since I made the change away from my router. I have not had one drop. And so I'm really happy with that. Saturday fix, Justin, P1. How about that? Stack them up. Yeah, Mike, I started eighth. The whole race, um, there's probably two or three cautions. Uh, no green flag runs by any means. And I just stayed and never fell lower in top 10. And it came down. Now, this was my first win with a green flag run. So I was kind of proud of that. I've always won them on green, white checkers. So yeah, 21 laps to go. I took off and I, I only won by half a second. It was a good little race. Were you gapping them or were they catching you at the end? Uh, we were staying even. I, I was watching him. So I would gain a little bit, then, then he would gain. So it, it was pretty consistent. It was tight. All right. Well done. I mean, to win at that track, one of the hardest on the service, well done. 
All right, Sunday open, McKenzie, DNF. Yeah, so uh, I actually had the same problem David did. I just, I was racing. I started way in the back. I was actually racing well. I got up to fifth place and I just, yeah, had the same thing, blinked out, lost connection and couldn't rejoin. But I still stayed in team speak and everything. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Reboot your route. Other DNF. Did you say my name? You kind of chopped up a little bit there. Yeah, you had a DNF, it says, Sunday open. Yeah, just uh, got on the gas too hard in turn three and looped it into the inside wall. I'm glad I didn't take anybody out. Uh, frustrating. I, I'm just not having that, that, that good of a year, but this one was all my doing. All right, and Sunday fixed. I don't... I think I got wrecked. I don't have a result here, but if I remember, Justin, I ran this and I got wrecked out and left early in a hustle because um, I was mad. But you stayed and you won. Yeah, I, I started 11th. Uh, I remember having, I was in the top five real quick, but then I got a little cocky from my last one and I got a little loose, smacked the wall, saved it, ended up cycling back to 22nd. And after a couple quick restarts after that, I made it back to the top 10. Uh, this was one of the most entertaining, funnest races I've ever done. We had a green flag run. I think it went to darn near 70 laps. And it was to the point I was leading, and I've never had to do this before. I was eight laps short on fuel and I could actually back it off in the turns to save gas, and I was playing with the, the lead on the leader. I think I was trying to keep it two seconds ahead of him, so I was I was playing the throttle. It, it was just so fun and entertaining, but I ended up getting a caution there at the end, and um, then 25 laps to go uh, on the restart, I, I started second P2, and I had him cleared by a turn three, then just kept going. Wow. Man, I mean, two wins uh, and two attempts on fixed. Well done. I mean, stack them up all you can. Yeah, I, there was, my my brain was rattling. There's so much strategy involved in that race. I've never been in that position. It, it, that's why I love the sport, or the sport, this simulation. Yeah, um, that's why we run these races. I, I think that's why NIS is different than A Open because you get these green flag runs. There are 30 some cars instead of 20 some cars, and that makes a difference. All right, other racing I ran Gen 4 at Talladega. Woohoo, baby. That's my bread and butter. P7, though, I was in control of the race at the end. I was making great moves from all three lanes. Yes, that's right. Three lanes of racing. I was at the front. I was leading on the bottom uh, on the green-white checker coming to the white. Uh, but we wrecked coming to the line. I didn't survive. Ran it again. Same car, but this time top split. P10. I actually led a bunch of laps. Got involved in a few incidents. I got turned twice on purpose. But were they able to rebound each time? Uh, one time I tried to fill a hole that wasn't quite there and ended up wrecking a bunch of cars that were, uh, un and then under caution, the guy came up and turned me, but I had no damage. Now I didn't protest that, but I, uh, yeah, that was interesting. You know, getting turned under caution. 
uh, ran it again, Gen 4, and I got wrecked out on the first lap of that attempt. Then we switched to the next track on the next week, and it's Gen 4 at Nashville, this time top split, T21. I got hooked with a guy on lap two and turned into the wall. That was enough damage for me to be slow and to not have a good finish. Then on Tuesday, I ran the uh, SOF sprint car at Langley, P15 out of 25. Donnie, street stocks at North Wilkesboro. Yeah, I only ran with the one race this week, um, and it was that. It was a lot of fun. I haven't been in the street stock in forever. Um, but it was a fun, fun track and car combo. Finished fifth. Probably should have finished second or third, but it took me a while to get around the two cars I was, I was racing with. By that time, I used my tires, but I wasn't going to beat the winner. He, he was quick. But uh, yeah, had a lot of fun. All right, David, you got to win. Yeah, uh, Daytona. And uh, this one was pretty exciting because I'm, I'm sitting around, I guess, 1,700 in, in the road. I rating, and there was a couple of 2K guys in here. One of them was a good clean racer. The other guy, he sent it in turn one and forces three wide, die bombs, goes insane. We both back off, let him go. And y- you know where he was two laps later? In the grass. In, in the, well, he was in the pits because he just put himself on the wall. Because, you know... That's what they do when they drive like that. I just, I don't know. It's, it blows my mind that somebody can have that level of, of I rating and not have some I, and have some race craft. And know that in an hour long race, you don't have to win. You don't have to pass two guys in turn one and with an unsafe move. So anyway, but yeah, I was the, the other guy I just beat on pace. Um, we were about, we ran, I ran behind him the whole time. Then uh, after we pitted, he, he short pitted because he was trying to get me out of his draft. But after I pitted, I was about four seconds ahead of him when I came out because I was just faster being on lighter fuel. All right. And uh, Donnie, I got, I want to jump back to you real quick. Did you get any Gen 4? I have not yet. I've had a busy week. That'll be this weekend. All right. Brian, how about the OBRL Cup? Yeah, so uh, we were at Darlington, um, 130 laps it was. Uh, I started P14 after qualifying, and I pretty much stayed mid-pack. I was really just trying to stay out of trouble, to be honest with you. I wasn't wasn't really trying to go crazy, you know, push too hard or race too hard. I just wanted to try to get finished because I, I just terrible at Darlington. Um, but uh, halfway through the race or three-quarter way, maybe um, I my um, the sim froze up on me. I had to had to close it and uh, restart it and jump back into the session, which put me um, 12 laps down, which sucked. But um, I did finish the race with zero incident points, uh, but 20, uh, 25th in the in position. So that kind of hurt me. But uh, congratulations to Wayne MacArthur, man. He was awesome. He was awesome. We won the race. Uh, Tom Ogle finished second, and Mike Watts, 50 Watts, finished third. So congratulations to those guys. They, they really, really did a good job on that track. We had no cautions the entire race. Not to say that there wasn't any issues, but like I said at the beginning of the show, um, the yellow flag don't come out unless unless it's a really bad situation at Darlington. So, uh, it's a good race for the OBRL guys. Okay, let's jump to final thoughts then. Brian McCubbin. Um, so yeah, just uh, really looking forward to this race this weekend, the real race at uh, All Star at North Wilkesboro. You know, um, 
it's it's I, I I'm going to be listening to a lot of the broadcasts and stuff, hoping they bring up the iRacing's involvement in this. Um, and Dale Jr. I'm sure they'll bring up Dale Jr. because it's Dale Jr. and just mention his name bumps the ratings. But um, but hopefully they bring up iRacing's um, role in the in this coming to fruition. You know, it's it's it really did start off as an iRacing idea that Dale Jr. had to get that track in the service. So I'm going to be watching it. Uh, really interested to see stuff like that. Um, I'm also uh, I'm also nervous about the track coming apart, uh, like you guys are saying that you saw in the races earlier this week. Because uh, I what I don't want is to is for the track to come apart and have a really bad show because of it. Because it's not going to look good for something like this happening again. Maybe at a Rockingham or or, or some other classic track that they try to bring back for for not just NASCAR but for any reason. You know, the more tracks, the better. So we want to see see all these tracks open back up that can. I, I think it's silly that it's not paved. And it wasn't the original plan to like they were going to open the track last spring and then to run a, a bunch of races in I think October, and then they were going to run dirt on it or something like that. And then they were going to tear it up and pave it. But um, what really happened is they ended up not doing the dirt at all and they didn't pave it. Yeah. They, that was based off the races they had in the summer last year when the racing was good, everybody uh, was praising the surface of the track, but I mean, we, we probably should have saw a little bit of this coming, being such an old, dated, abandoned facility. I mean, that wasn't taken care of. Asphalt's going to tear up. All right. David Hall, final thoughts. So didn't they already already do a segment on it during the last race? I, I, do, I seem to remember them doing a little special during one of the cautions or commercial breaks. Um, about how, how Rockingham, or not Rockingham, how Wilkes Girl came back as they were promoting it for next week. Yeah, probably did. I could have sworn I, I saw that somewhere. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was YouTube. But I, I thought I saw it on the race. Okay, my tip for the week, so to speak. If you got in, get involved in an accident where the guy might protest you, and you know it wasn't your fault, save your replays. I knew I was going to send this one in anyway because this guy needed to be protested because he was blinking. But I had another issue at Daytona where I, we had a we had this guy who was really blinking out the whole race. Um, and one of the guys t- told him about it and he called that guy, the R word, um, and just kept racing. I catch up to him towards the end and he blinks out right in front of me twice and then reappears right on my nose. The second time it's on, it's in the bus stop. And uh, I, I take him out. I, I sent him a message and I'm saying, hey, you blinked it literally into my car. Okay. Um, and you were told you were blinking the whole race. It's you who is who's violating the sporting code, not me. And he's like, well, I'm going to protest you and blah, 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 blah. So I actually beat him to the punch and I got my protest in on his language and um, bad internet connection. And they gave you the, yeah, we agree. We'll send them the results. We'll tell him what his results are. They don't ever tell you what the punishment is, but if you get the certain message, it means they got at least a warning. A, w- a day later, I get the same. Pr- I get the protest from him for coach wrecking. Um, obviously, his replay doesn't show that he disappeared. Um, so the person who reviewed that has no idea what really happened. I did the appeal process, and literally within twenty minutes, 
got a reply saying, even though it was just a warning that they gave me, I asked them to remove the warning and they did. They said, we'll take the note off your record because he blinked into me. So save those replays. And if you are blinking, get out of the way. It's your response. You can't race around somebody when they're blinking and, and do the side, the kind of side-by-side racing that you're going to try to do. Because I wasn't trying to hit the guy. I was – I he was guarding the inside. I was coming on the outside. I checked up to run the kind of – to run kind of the normal outside line thinking he was going to go in before me. And he, he was just way slow and reappeared inside my car. So definitely save those replays when you think you might get protested. Hey, David question. Would you like to see under your profile? Cause you brought up the warning and that they removed it, but there's no way for you to really know that unless you saw it. So under your profile, under your, your driver's license, would you like to see a, like a box or maybe something noting that you were warned on this date and this time, and then, oh, you were warned, but it was removed. That way you know for sure you have something tangible to, to look at. It's not a bad idea, but I'm not sure I want to see mine. <laughs> and uh, should your competitors be able to see that also? No. No, I don't think so on that. Now, I want to take this moment and just mention, what is the etiquette for um, if you're told you're blinking in an oval race? Look, if you're told once, that's one thing. You can ignore it. But if you're told more than once by somebody over the chat that you're blinking and you're in the way or something like that, you need to fall to the rear and stay out of people's way. If you don't, you're subject to be protested. Um, I think if you take the warning verbally and you move to the rear, they're going to be lenient with you if you do get protested for blinking. Well, they, you you could appeal it. You can say, hey, I was told I was blinking, right. so I, I went to the back and got out of the way. And at that point, you're not protestable, really, because you, you accommodated the, the situation. Um, and on the road courses, depending on how crowded the road course is, all, this guy should have, after I had ran him down from 10 seconds behind, should have just let me go based on the fact that he was blinking so much because the, the track was fairly sparse. He could have been pretty clear of anybody else. We were the same class. Um, most of the time with the other cars, they were just getting him around, getting around him lucky enough that it didn't cause any issues. But the guy that, that he cussed out, the other guy that he cussed out, um, he reappeared right in front of him exiting the bus stop and almost caused an accident. Uh, so, um, if it's a situation where you're blinking on a road course and there's 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 more space, you just have to let guys go and not try to race them side by side or block them or defend. Now, Usually, Donnie, I just sent a link, ever... Donnie. Uh, sorry, Brian. I was going to say real quick, I just sent a link to the group uh, to a page that iRacing had at one point that did exactly what you're saying, which would show you your tickets. Um, and, but I think they've disabled it, but the page is still there. It's support.iracing.com slash support slash tickets. That's right. You could see which ones you had waiting to see. You could see the ones you put in and the ones put against you after they had been ruled on. Go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, I mean, I've had connection issues once in a while. I mean, and you know, when you're blinking, it's not like, I mean, people tell you, just because they, you know, they want you to know. But whenever I've had connection issues, I know I'm blinking because the whole field disappears and comes back. So I know I'm having problems. You shouldn't even have to be told most of the time. 
there is a certain condition depending on if it's the up or the down where you're still seeing all the cars, but you're dropping from the server because the server's losing your information. But it's still, but your client is still getting the information on all the other cars so they don't disappear. Um, so this guy, this guy, when he sent, sent his replay in, I didn't disappear on his track, on his screen. So they thought I just flat out rammed the guy on purpose in the bus stop because I war he warped inside my car, right? Um, whereas on my replay, you can see that he warped inside my car. But on his, from his point of view, he, he thinks I was just mad because he, he, I would, it was nearly – it was the white flag. It was not the white flag lap. It was a penultimate lap. And he thinks I was just knocking him out of the way because I was mad that he was holding me up. All right, Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Not much, just a, a bone to pick with diet racing. I promise it won't be the same bone as last week. However, very similar. Um, this week, I've been looking forward to this week for a long time. Um, when I think of North, North Wilkesboro, I think of like the TNM broadcast, um, Eli Gold, Buddy Baker. So I was very excited for this week. I, I knew we weren't going to get the iRacing special event. Uh, they are busy this month. So I thought, hey, I'm going to put my schedule together this week. Uh, let's see what cars I can run on it. A Open's not here. Uh, Xfinity isn't here because they're not here in real life as well. The trucks are here, but like the late models aren't here. Um, nobody else is here but street stocks and trucks. So I was a little disappointed in that. Um, I think they could have done better knowing that this was going to be a thing for a while. But, um, well, I don't know, especially being iRacing, you know, iRacing played a decent part of getting this track back together. Um, I would like to see North Wilkesboro flooded on this the schedule for this week, but it's not. But oh well. iRacing does not actually make the schedules the communities do now i get that the communities make now that was brought up me and my summer talking about that yesterday but shame on the communities for not realizing that one but i racing can i would think owning this intellectual property could just remove one week insert this one keep the rest the same i mean it's kind of shameful to look at the schedule over here and nothing really is running north wilkesboro they could probably should but prop but pr probably don't that's a good point, Donnie, considering, you know, how much of a partner NASCAR is with iRacing, you know, the partnership there is always increasing. You know, we got the NASCAR iRacing series, we got the Coke series representing NASCAR. So, yeah, it would make sense that iRacing really pushed the North Wilkesboro on the week of the North Wilkesboro race. That's just my two cents. Now, after this week, I won't have to complain about it for another year. So. So, Donnie, are you going to run the, the trucks at North Wilkesboro then? Yeah, I'll run the trucks tomorrow night, uh, the C Open race. I got the Rusty Wallace 96 scheme loaded up on it already. All right, Justin Pearson, final thought. Don't have much going on. I, I've been kind of taking a time out from racing here. Uh, I live here in Indiana. The weather finally broke. You know, it's 60 degrees now. Been catching up. I got rental properties, so I've been fixing them up. Um, I'm kind of with Brian. I I really want this um, North Wilkesboro track to work out, so I hope the track stays together. So. But I wish you the luck, and I think I agree with Donnie. He's the Barry fan also. I hope he has a good run, a good top five, or a win. It's a good week to step back. Remember, the NASCAR schedule doesn't have very many off weeks. This is it. I mean, after this, we go straight through to the end, I think. And so Father's take Day. the off week. Oh, yeah. I think they're off Father's and Day, so, right? And so, right.
So take the time. I am. I'm not racing like crazy like usual. I'm taking some time doing some uh, things a little different around the house. Uh, and I'll get back to it next week. Are you going to adjust your rig, Mike? I haven't decided, no. It's Thursday. Mackenzie Stevens, final thought. Yeah, not much. I've been super busy lately. Haven't got to run much. Uh, I was going to run Gen 4, but I realized I don't actually own the track. So is that one worth buying to, to run the Gen 4 at? Cup runs on it. Not this week. I don't. I don't think so. I, I. I wasn't happy with Gen Four at Nashville. It was a uh, follow the leader. I mean, it's a fixed race, and everyone's running the same set, and you can't pass. You can only run the bottom. So yeah, you pretty much ran what you qualified, unless you messed up. Sounds like I'll probably run maybe a truck race and maybe some late models or something. I mean, last week, Gen Four at at the restrictor plate track that was bomb you know three wide you know 10 deep uh yeah that was a lot of fun okay my final thoughts yeah my rig is sagging to the left the upright has come loose somehow um i have to take the whole thing apart to fix it am i i'm still torn on that i haven't started yet as of yet um, so I don't think I am actually, I think I'm going to wait for off season to do it. Um, I can still race. Everything still works. You know, I was just looking at like, Oh God, I got to take the, off the wind sim. You know, I got to unwire that and unhook it. I got to take apart the ambient light system and undo all the zip ties and the wiring and everything. And that's just the beginning. That's not even touching anything on the rig yet. And so it's a major project and I'm just hesitant to tear it apart so we're gonna wait on that and uh yeah this gen 4 was so much fun at talladega i wish i had gotten a win but um looking forward to getting back to nis and uh, seeing what we can do and with that hey we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the our racers lounge podcast Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.